You may be seated. I'm about to start dancing, but nobody wants to see that. You know, there's a, a passage where it talks about the Spirit praying on our behalf and wordless groans. And I've always thought of that in very kind of sad, melancholy terms. We've all prayed those prayers where we can't get it out because it hurts so bad. Something about that song, that whoa, whoa, that's, that's, that's some wordless groans right there, uh, singing praise to God. So I apologize. I'll collect myself here. Um, as I said, my name is Johnny, and I am the campus pastor here at the bridge. And this morning, we are continuing our uh, prayer series, and we have been talking about prayer through the lens of the Lord's Prayer. So at the very beginning, I tried to make the distinction that this is not a sermon series about the Lord's Prayer. It's just about prayer, and we're learning how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, because that means a lot to all of you, I'm sure. But that's what we're trying to do. And uh, so far, we've talked about the first couple phrases of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And as, as we've looked at those phrases, we have talked about uh, things like how beginning with the words, our Father, is a declaration of our dependence as children of God. We've talked about the direction of our prayers, that when we take that posture as children of God, that our prayers are inevitably going to be aimed at God and God's kingdom and, and God's ways. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've talked about all of those things. And last week, Suzanne talked about how God cares, yes, for the big huge, gigantic issues in our lives for the things that feel like they are swallowing us whole. But God also cares about the daily needs of our lives, the daily provision. God cares about our daily bread. And it can feel silly sometimes to pray about these small daily needs, but God is in, involved in all of those various parts of our lives. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful idea. So today we've reached the next phrase in the Lord's Prayer, and uh, it's very controversial. This is the most controversial part of the Lord's Prayer. It's, guys, it's controversial. I'm telling you the truth. A couple years ago, uh, the song How He Loves was written by a guy, guy named John Mark McMillan, and uh, he wrote the words, heaven meets earth like a sloppy, wet kiss. Yeah. And then David Crowder liked the song, but was a little ooky about those words, so he changed it to what we sing here, which is heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. This was very controversial. There were arguments about this. Churches split, okay? There was carnage in the streets over sloppy, wet, or unforeseen. We have a division even in our own congregation about this. My wife and I are divided on this issue. She's a sloppy, wet person, for what's worth. <laughs> some of you see where I'm going here. When we learn the Lord's Prayer, some of us learn, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and some of us learn, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's the controversy. It's not really very controversial. Um, I learned, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So that's what you're stuck with this morning as we dig into uh, Matthew <laughs> chapter 6. So I'm going to read kind of the preamble to the Lord's Prayer, and then I would invite you to join me if you feel comfortable uh, in praying that together this morning. So we're going to start in verse 5. When you pray, Jesus says to his disciples, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So for the first 30 years of my life, I never worked out. I did not do it. When I was on swim team, they made me do it, but I never did it outside of that. I didn't do it. And the reason I didn't do it is because I never really had to do it. I, uh, you know, I have a high metabolism, and I'm, you know, just kind of blessed in that way. And so even though I am in terrible shape, I look like I'm in pretty good shape. So I never worked out. First 30 years of my life, my metabolism just took care of it. I thought, I don't have to do this. I'm not going to do this. I don't, you know, that's kind of the situation. And then I turned 30, and, you know, people said, when you turn 30, you're going to feel something. And I was like, no, nah, not me. I'm special. Um, but then I did, and then I thought, I really got to start working out. Uh, and so I turned 30, I thought, I'm going to start working out, and then I didn't. And then I turned 31, and I was like, I'm really going to start working out. This is the year, and then I didn't, 32, 33. You get the picture, okay? And the reason now that I don't work out is because I don't like it. It does not feel good to work out. People talk about the runner's high. I do not have that. That's not like... No, it is a runner's low. I'm not doing it. So I don't work out, and it used to be I didn't work out because I didn't think I needed to, and now I don't work out because it doesn't feel good. I don't want to do it. It does not feel good. When Jesus instructs us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, within that there is an implicit admission that we have debts that need to be forgiven, that we have fallen short of God's intentions for our lives, that we have stumbled that we have sinned. And as I thought about these words of Jesus here in Matthew that we've recited our whole lives if we've been part of the church that long, uh, I thought about this confession, to conf- this instruction to confess our brokenness to God. And I thought about that and I realized something. I realized that I resist confessional prayers. I resist these prayers of confession for, for many similar reasons that I resist working out. First, either because I convince myself that I don't need to do it or because it doesn't feel good to do it. And so I find myself praying, but rarely do I find myself praying these types of prayers. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's really, really, really easy for us to convince ourselves that we don't have to pray confessional prayers. We don't have to pray. We don't have to admit our shortcomings to God. That's the beauty of grace, isn't it? I mean, so much of what we're saying here this morning kind of points us in that direction. Once we have been washed by the blood and made new, we have been forgiven past, present, and future. That's what we believe, that that God's work on the cross through Jesus Christ has made us a new creation, that the old is gone, the old has passed away, and the new has come. We believe that. That's That's a truth that we hold fast to. And so we think, I don't need to confess because I've already been forgiven. What could I possibly confess and need forgiveness for if God has already forgiven me? Jesus did that for us, and if that's the case, why in the world would we need to pray prayers of confession? If all of our debts have already been paid, 
Why are we praying for the forgiveness of new ones? So the thing about confessional prayers, the thing about this part of the prayer and this type of prayer, this prayer that says, I have fallen short. I am admitting that I did something wrong. Confessional prayers. The thing about these prayers is that they are primarily relational, not theological in nature. They are primarily relational, not theological in nature. Prayers of confession are not intended to soothe or calm down an angry God. These are not prayers that are intended to do something to God to turn him into a different disposition toward us. That would be theological, right? That's not the purpose of prayers of confessional. They are intended to bring our heart into a position to receive God's love and to become a conduit for that love. That's the purpose of confessional prayer. When we pray for forgiveness, it isn't because God is angry with us and our prayers will soften God's heart for us. Praying for forgiveness actually softens our hearts. It's not about softening God's heart toward us. He's mad that we've uh, messed up and now we have to pray this type of prayer to soften God's heart. It actually softens our hearts toward God. It softens our hearts and allows us to hear God's voice more clearly. Because of God's grace... We have been forgiven completely and fully. Those who have placed their trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross are forgiven past, present, and future. That is grace. That is the scandalous nature of what God has done for us. It's it's a beautiful thing. We are blameless and pure in the sight of God. We don't have to be afraid of God or worry about being on God's cosmic naughty list. We can be confident that we are loved by God and that God is at work in our lives and hearts. And part of God's work in our lives and hearts is drawing us into closer relationships with God. That's part of the work. And it's in that context that we pray confessionally. Our hearts are bent toward God, and our desire is to be connected to God. When we make a mistake, when we sin, when we fall short, we bring that failure to God and ask for forgiveness because that's the leaning of our heart. Our leaning of our heart is to stay in connection with God, to maintain relationship with God, and not allow anything to turn our hearts in a different direction. It's about us. It's about our hearts. So when my wife and I were dating in college, um, I I had a bad habit of making uh, little jokes at her expense. Well, I'm not talking about big, mean things. I'm not talking like, you know, I'd uh, be really cruel or something like that, but just little pokes, little, little prize, little jokes at my wife's expense. Um, but the impact that it made was very hurtful, and so she told me how she felt about it. It was very simple. She just told me how she felt about it. She didn't threaten to break up with me. She didn't scream and yell at me. She didn't get angry with me. She just shared her heart with me and allowed me to see how my actions were making her feel, this, this bad habit that I was in. In that moment, I could have just said, it's not that bad, I don't mean anything by it, and it'll be fine. I could have nodded, oh, sure, 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 and just forgotten all about it. I could have even told her that she was being too sensitive and that she needed to lighten up. I could have done any of those things. But the thing is, my heart was bent toward Kayla. Our relationship meant and means a lot to me. My heart is bent toward her. 
And I could see that even though this wasn't an issue that put our relationship in jeopardy, this wasn't an issue that was going to create so much friction that we were going to split apart if we couldn't figure it out. It wasn't uh, that kind of a thing. I had been doing something wrong. So I apologized and I tried to do better. And then the next time I caught myself doing it, I, I apologized again and I tried to do better. And the next time I apologized and tried to do better. And now it's not something that I do. Now I make jokes at my expense. That's safer. No. Um, that's something that I stopped doing over time. I acknowledge it. I apologize. I acknowledge it. And I apologize. Now, look, I do not deserve to win any awards for the super awesome act of not making jokes at my wife's expense. This is a bad story, okay? Uh, the, you don't get awards for not being a jerk to your wife. That's not a thing, okay? And you shouldn't. It's pretty bad that she had to say something in the first place. I should have figured this out myself. But I think there's a little picture here of what our prayers for forgiveness mean in our relationship with God. When our hearts are bent toward God, we confess our shortcomings because we value the relationship that we have with God. We may not have, I want to say this the right way, we may not have to ask for forgiveness in a theological sense. If I make a mistake, if I, if I sin, if I fall short, and I don't come to God with that and confess it, It's not as though God has not forgiven it. That's not how it works. We believe in grace. We don't believe that you have to ask for forgiveness every time you fall or else you get put on God's naughty list. I'm saying we don't have to do it in that theological sense, but we have to do it if our hearts are bent toward God. We want to do it if our hearts are bent toward God because confessing our sin softens our hearts and continues to bend us toward God our Father in heaven. But even knowing that and accepting all that, there's still this hang-up that many of us have when it comes to praying confessional prayers. Yes, we know it's about the relationship with God. It's not like he's gonna, uh, God's not gonna strike us down because we forgot to admit that we did this shortcoming. We've been forgiven. We understand grace, okay? We understand that's more about the relationship. We know it's about softening our hearts more than it is softening God's heart. Yes, we want to pursue that type of relationship with our Father in heaven, but even with all of that, I still avoid confessional prayers because they don't feel good. And that sounds really, really, really lame. That's the world's lamest reason not to pray, and I just admitted it, okay, right here up front. It doesn't feel good. But if we're honest, as lame as it sounds, that's a real thing that prevents us from prayer. Uh, the way our bodies and our brains are wired are conspiring against us when it comes to prayers of confession. That sounds like a big claim. Okay. The way our bodies and brains are wired together are conspiring against us making prayers of confession. Psychologically, we as humans don't like to admit when we've made mistakes. The human ego is a fragile thing. All of our egos are fragile And one way that we psychologically protect our fragile egos is by not admitting when we've made mistakes. Or when we do admit it, we think it's not that big of a deal. This protects us. This protects ourselves and our hearts and our egos from this feeling of failure, from this feeling of uh, that we're not good enough. We don't like to feel that way. That's part of our hard wiring. And because of that hard wiring, that feeling, 
it doesn't feel good when we admit that we have made a mistake. So we're wired to not admit we've made mistakes because of our fragile egos. So when we do admit that we've made mistakes, we get like, oh, oh my goodness. This is why my three-year-old cries whenever he says he's sorry. Like he spilled some water. It's not that big of a deal. He's weeping. He's so sorry. It's because he feels bad when we make a mistake and have to admit that we make a mistake. We have a physiological reaction to that. Our brains are saying, don't, don't, you don't want to do that. And our body's like, I definitely don't want to do that. And it's a whole situation in our bodies and our brains. They're conspiring against us. We do a mental calculation about the strain and pain it will take to get to the other side of admitting a mistake. Then we either consciously or subconsciously decide that it's not worth it and move on. So how do we rewire our brains and bodies out of this cycle of denial? That's the big question that I was left with. If, we're, if our bodies and brains are conspiring against us, how do we rewire ourselves? How do we turn what we know we should do, prayers of confession, Jesus told us to, into something we actually do? How do we unlock these prayers so that our hearts can be softened to God and our lives can be bent toward God's purposes and intentions for our lives. So James K.A. Smith is a theologian uh, who writes a lot about liturgy. Liturgy is the order of worship that we follow, okay? Every church has a liturgy, whether it's formal or informal, and he writes a lot about liturgies that happen in the church and also liturgies of our culture. It's a big idea. I'm not going to get into it. In James K.A. Smith's view, we all have a decision to make. We are going to decide, will we be shaped by our surrounding culture or even by our psychological predispositions, or will we be shaped by God and the church? For Smith, the answer to the question of how we pray like Jesus, even when it's uncomfortable or doesn't feel good, is that we retrain ourselves into new habits. He writes that this requires submitting ourselves to disciplines and regimens that reach down into our deepest habits. The Spirit of God meets us in that space, in that gap, and I like this part, not with lightning bolts of magic, but with the concrete practices of the body of Christ that conscript our bodily habits. In other words, we retrain our bodies and our brains to pray by building in new habits as part of our worship together and our individual worship of God. This is that thing where you start to work out and it feels bad, and then you have to go back again. Because if you just stop, then you didn't get anything out of it, right? Like you have to, so Fit for the King is a workout class that's happening here. My wife is in it. And the first night she came home and I thought my poor wife is going to die from Fit for the King. This is terrible what they've done to her. Uh, She was very, you know, stiff and all this kind of stuff. And she powered through and she went the next time and now she loves it, right? It's wonderful. She's gotten into this new habit. She's gotten into this new routine. This is the same thing that's true of our hearts and our bodies when we pray. We do it knowing that at first it won't feel good, that our bodies and our brains and our cultures will tell us to knock it off and get back to the status quo, but we do it anyway. And we continue to turn to each other, to the church, and the rich tradition of God's people throughout time to retrain our minds and our hearts. One of the ways we do this is just to say the Lord's Prayer and mean it. Because when you say the Lord's Prayer and you mean it, you're praying a prayer of confession. You're admitting it. You're retraining your heart. You're turning your heart toward God. That's one of the ways that we can do this. Another way that we can do this is actually how I would like to end today. 
And that is corporate confession together. So we don't use the RCA liturgy uh, often here, but uh, when we do, I enjoy it because there's so much beauty and value there for us. And in the liturgy of the Reformed Church, we find a prayer of confession that I would invite us to say together this morning. We're going to practice, you guys. We're going to practice a prayer of confession. So I would invite you to stand up this morning. And come, let us ask the mercy of God. Almighty God, we have sinned against you and one another in thought, word, and deed, in what we have done and in what we have left undone. Therefore, we pray in silence before you. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our gracious God forgives you your sin, strengthens you by the Spirit, and will keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything is old, has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's pray together. God, we are imperfect. As the song says, we are prone to wander. We are prone to failure and missteps. And for that reason, we are grateful for your scandalous grace. The grace that says, I know who you were, I know who you are, I know who you will be, and I have forgiven you across every plane of your life and your existence. The grace that says you are part of the family of God, irregardless of the failings and the shortcomings. And yet, God, we pray that we fall short. And we pray forgiveness of our debts because we want our hearts to be soft to you, God. So forgive us our debts this morning so that we can go and forgive our debtors. Change our hearts so that we can have fresh hearts to approach the world around us. We love you, God, and we are so grateful to gather here this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen.